everybody, we are live and welcome to TRB Live. We are the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John, that's James, that's Lacey, and we are here to talk about Andor Episode 4. Very excited to get, what was the title of it? The name of the planet, right? Aldana. Uh, uh, Aldani. 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 Uh, so we are very excited to get into this fourth episode of the series. So we're a third of the way through. Uh, season one already which is pretty wild um, but it seems like now the players are all in place we've met our good guys we've met our bad guys and we're seeing what they're all about but there are some question marks and this episode certainly turned the dial up in terms of the intrigue and the mystery of what's going to be happening while also laying the seeds for what's likely going to happen from an action perspective next episode but uh, we are really excited to have you. So if you are joining us live, first of all, if you don't mind, if you're on social media, whether that's Facebook or Twitter or what have you, and you see our post that we're live, if you don't mind retweeting that, letting people know to come on in and hang out, thank you. Also, like the video. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you are live. If at any point you have to duck out early, don't worry, because this will be here for you thereafter. And also, we're going to hit all the audio platforms tomorrow. Um, another sort of change in terms of what we do here. Super chats tonight are very special because we are donating every dollar we receive in super chats tonight to code three for disaster response for animals and animal welfare training in lieu of what's happening with all of the hurricanes. And TRB is also going to be matching every dollar. So we're going to be donating, um, from our camp on whatever comes in via super chat. So every super chat that comes in tonight, not only will your comment be talked about and on the show, but you're going to be doing a good thing. You'll be helping out animals uh, who are dealing with disaster, lack of disaster response and being left, uh, you know, to, to fend for themselves and, and all that sort of stuff. And also animal welfare training to help people prepare for stuff like this in the future. So a very good charity that we want to thank our buddy, Andrew Staley for pointing it to us. Uh, we just uh, were live on Patreon with him do, doing his spice run. So if you are a patron, go check that out. And if you're not a patron, uh, join because Andrew did a great job. And um, we're really excited about that. So uh, for more details and a link to the charity, um, I don't know that we have it in the description yet because we really just kind of put this together. But it I is put it in the chat. Account. It's in the so chat. And also I on stupidly Twitter, brought it so. up before the show came on. But if you <laughs> it's in the chat. <laughs> yeah so <then. laughs> all right so james lacy we are here to talk about Andor chapter four or episode four not chapter four how dare i mm -hmm. this isn't the mandalorian or boba fett but um we are gonna rate this thing and the, <laughs> it's pretty interesting what we came up with in terms of ratings and people will understand what i mean in a minute but let's kick things off i'll, I'll start off this week since i went last uh last week i just like last week with the three episodes, I gave this episode an eight as well. Uh, I thought it was very good. Um, I still feel there were certain parts where I'm like, this still feels too earthy for me. And it just seems like it's just a show that's happening on earth. Um, but at the same time, an eight, in my opinion, is a very good score. I'm excited to where it's going. The course on stuff really uh, excited me. So uh, an eight for me. Um, James, how about you on this uh, episode four? You gave an 8.5 to the first three collectively. So where are you at with mm -hmm. this one? Same, 8.5. Um, okay. I feel like the the interesting thing about how we did it last week is that you kind of had to put everything, like if episode two was a little slow and episode three picked it up, you kind of had to score them as if they were both equally paced, you know? Um, so this one, 
actually sort of landed in the same spot where I felt like there was really cool, exciting things about it. And other parts of it were kind of like, all right, okay, we'll see where this goes, you know, a little bit, um, which sort of perfectly matched those first three episodes. Cause those first three episodes sort of felt like an arc or a movie, uh, or, you know, I was thinking about this too. Like, it's really crazy that at one point they were only going to release the first two episodes. It's like, it was very smart to get to the point where they did all three, <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 That's true. All right. So me and you are the same. Lacey, mm -hmm. are you keeping the pattern alive or are you breaking the mold? Last week, I believe you gave those three and eight. So where are you at with episode four? I was going to say, I don't remember what I gave last week. <laughs> it's it's kind of a blur from week to week at this point. Uh, I gave it this week an eight. Okay. I thought it was a solid episode. We have a lot of cool plot lines that are kind of building to something that's going to be probably crazy. I loved the Mon Mothma stuff. Hate her husband, uh, but loved Luthen. And we see yes. Clea for the first time, which I am probably the most intrigued for her. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, all right. So that is actually identical to our scores from last week, which means there he is unchanged. 8.2 Diego's <laughs> from TRB. James had to do slightly less work this time. Just bring that image right yeah. back over from last week. Uh, but there he is. 8.2 8 Diego's from TRB. And then we also polled our patrons to submit their scores. And you did. And we put together your average. And no joke, James, as you know, because you made the graphic. Identical again. 7.8 <laughs> from the patrons. So there, our score was the same and their score was the same. So I don't think it's ever happened. That might be a good thing, which means this show is very consistent. Um, mm -hmm. But either way, two really good scores. Uh, we do have a couple of comments that we're going get to in, get into, and then we could check in on uh, some of the super chats before we dig into if this the main discussion. If this show stays consistent the whole season where I'm like 8.5, 8.5, 8.5, then just know that those are a higher number. And the only reason I was given 8.5s to start because I wanted the room. But if it stays consistently great the whole time, then those were really 9.5s. <laughs> <laughs> you know? All right. So here we go with a couple of comments from Patreon on people who rated the episode. First, we have Brennan Epperson. What's up, Brennan? He said, I'm going with seven Diegos for episode four. It moved us into galactic politics and high stakes rebellion stories that I'm super excited for. P.S. Mon Mothma's husband sucks. <laughs> she does suck. Or he does uh, suck. Next, we have Sarah, who said, Seven Diego's, a little jarring with change of setting. Stellan is a standout. And I think that's going to be a theme in this uh, discussion today. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, we have Danny at Semperfied Danny. Hey, Danny, Mark, what's going on? Uh, Danny said, I will give it 8.5 Diego's. The thing I most appreciated from the episode was the ability to glean the dynamics and motivations of each faction and the tensions among subsections and individuals within each faction. So, uh, so we'll see, let, let us know in the comments if, if any of those thoughts sort of match up with how you're feeling. And of course, let us know how you feel about the episode in general. Keep that chat going because I already see a lot of people in there and it's always a good time checking in with what the community is talking about. So uh, before we get into the main discussion, Lacey, uh, do you want to fire off some of those super chats? Yeah. So just as a reminder, we are donating all the super chats tonight to code three uh, for disaster relief for animals, uh, specifically hoping to help the animals that are going through a lot of tough stuff in Florida and other places uh, down South right now. So 
We're going to kick it off with David Probus. Thank you, David, who said, gotta give to all the fur babies and scaled friends. True dad. Right on, David. Super chat. And then we have our own Andrew Staley, who gave us this idea. Thank you, Andrew, who said, thanks for (laughs) donating this tonight. Awesome. Stay safe, Florida Florida folks. So currently we're sitting at about 30 bucks, so we're going to double that. So right now we're at $60. So help us donate uh, to this great cause. Yes. Yeah. yeah we for every dollar matching. you're donating, you're actually donating two dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that nineteen ninety nine is a a forty dollar donation. Thirty nine ninety eight, but yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's get into talking about this thing, Lacey. We didn't do the what's your favorite shot last week because it was three episodes, really tough to pick from. But mm-hmm. I know you tweeted a shot that you really liked that. I was like, oh, I never know. I don't know that I would have noticed that. So why don't you kick things off with your favorite shot from the episode and uh, why it drew it drew you to it? So my favorite moment was Luthen practicing his little like friendly like in the, in the ah. ship. That was my favorite moment because it was just like showing you what these people are going through to put on this face. Uh, but my favorite shot in the show was the scene uh, where what's his name? I'm. Cyril, Cyril Karn. Cyril he's walking, yeah, he's walking across kind of this big cement structure that's very triangular, uh, going to see his mom. Nothing's worse than getting kicked out of the Imperial stuff and going to have to live with your mom. Um, but it's just so beautiful. And I loved everything. The eight for me, the the rating of eight, really went to the sets and production and overall scale of this episode just everything was just so big and and dense and like just real Mm -hmm. um and that shot was just really really stunning and just how beautiful it was wow yeah i mean that's that's huge that's huge that it's um you point out something that is like because you're always very particular with shots and stuff like that. And sometimes I overlook that stuff. So I like them when you bring that stuff up. So, uh, <laughs> James, did you have a, a favorite shot or a favorite singular moment in this episode that really slapped you across the face with awesomeness? Um, favorite shot probably coming into uh, Coruscant. Um, ah, yeah. Yeah, I think like there there was a really distinct like top-down shot, which was cool. Um, and then seeing the outside of the, uh, ISB, uh, and just like looking at the architecture of the building and everything. Um, I think like, it's kind of something that we've been kicking around the ISB for a while with all sorts of characters from, uh, all the animated shows, you know, there's always like one ISB officer who's representing them or whatever, uh, is chasing down your heroes or whatever. And it's just kind of really cool. Cause I don't, I don't. I don't know. I'm sure somebody did, but like when we're speculating on the trailer and we see like that room full of all the people in white and we were wondering like, what is that? You know, what's, what, yeah, yeah. what is the Imperial, whatever, for some reason it just didn't really dawn on me that that would be like the headquarters or the grand meeting room of the ISB, you know, or at least one of them, like, like it might be one of a, a hundred different meeting rooms uh, for different regions or something, but the way it's like all laid out with the tables and everything, just I, I really liked the inside of the ISB. That's cool. Yeah, and, and it feels very like sterile, clean, but also just cold, zero personality. Exactly what you expect from that sort of thing. Um, so I, I agree. And mine is s- sort of similar to that. 
in that my favorite shot is Mon Mothma leaving uh, Luthen's antiquities establishment and a combination of the car because you know you know how much George Lucas loved those cars and the prequel style cars he made mm-hmm. and it felt very much like that but like a Rolls Royce almost but also just the skyline behind her it didn't feel I, I hate to say because everyone's like really beaten down on the volume and stuff but it didn't feel that way even though it's obviously mm-hmm. visual effects but also the music used in that moment was one of the first times the music stood out to me in this series so far, it felt very serious, very urgent, um, very dramatic. So I really love that whole aspect of it. And then her like sort of like trying to look calm, but also like obviously clearly breathing heavily, like when you're really stressed out, but you don't want people to know you're stressed out and it makes you even more stressed out. She did a great job of delivering that. So that was my favorite moment so far. And I have to say, you know, we, we can lead right into the conversation unless Lacey you want to pop through a couple more of the super chats and then we can get into sure. like, diving in. Uh, so, by the way, we're currently, I just did this on the fly. Welcome to the live show. Uh, <laughs> I, put the, <laughs> I put the donations at the bottom just so people could see where we're at. So currently we're at 90, but we just added an additional $40. So I'm bad at math. That would be 110, right? One, no. 130. 130. Yay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So... <laughs> first up is diana b thank you so much for the super chat which is always happy to help the fur kids smiley face thanks thank diana. semper fi danny and mark what up danny she said tony gilroy offered a master class in characterization and character building today the sexist scene between deidre and her superior was pow- powerful oh my gosh this whole episode was filled with moments like that where like women were just being put in their place this it, it was tough to watch she was really um, good too she was very good. Uh, next is Matt Skywalker. Thank you so much. Who said, Andor rocks. Mon, Moth- Mon Mothma's hubby sucks. TRB is awesome. And here's to the critters. Stay safe, Florida. <laughs> Thanks, we also Matt. added some additional people. We have Soonerthron. Thank you so much. That said, is the ISB blonde girl going to be a rebel spy? Will the disgraced security guy join the Empire of Rebels? Thanks, guys. Paris for Florida. That's a loaded question. What do you guys think? I... You know what I was saying about what's his name? Cyril Karn being conflicted last week. Uh, he, I, he would be more than her. I feel like she is like the Krennic of this series. I feel like she's more on the career path, so to speak. So that's my pick. So I I don't think she will. And I, I'm I, it started to make me question a little bit of like how I was thinking Cyril Karn could be someone kind of questioning what's going on. Now, after seeing her and how she portrays her character, I'm starting to think that he's not going to turn and that the two of them make sense to link up. He got relocated to Coruscant and he just got kicked out for really bad stuff happening. And somehow his authorities are saying, sweep it under the rug. Don't, don't do your job. And now she's going through the same thing. She's like, I don't understand. I'm trying to get jurisdiction in this area. And people are, the higher ups are telling me to not worry about it like mind your own business kind of thing. So it feels like the two of them are feeling very, I don't know, justified in whatever methods they're about to get into together. Uh, uh, yeah, I, that's interesting. If they meet up, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, There's that- a lot of theories and I'm all for it. I love hearing what people think. I have no idea for once. I'm kind of just going for the ride. Honestly. Yeah. I, I have to say this. This has nothing to do with Star Wars, but it just it's a it's a proof of how much I love all of you, including James Lacey and everyone in the chat. 
Aaron Judge just hit his 61st home run and I missed it, but I'm here. <laughs> Shut up, you But I'm idiot. here with all of you. History has been made tonight and I missed you it. You said 61st of the season. Yes. He tied the Like you're not going to watch record. the highlights anyway. Well, I'm just saying I missed it live because I love all of you so much. So I just wanted everyone to understand. His that. voice is cracking. He's like, oh, I just I miss it live. I have my phone's blowing up. I thought like someone died in my family and they're like, judge, judge, judge. I'm like, ah, oh, I have to say this or I'm going to like be like a boiling uh, teapot the whole show. So anyway, uh, I'll see the replay. All right. On that well, later. Rabid oh. Raccoon, thank you so much, said Stellan Skarsgård, which I agree. That's a great That's point. Awesome. That is a great point, Troy. Points were made. <laughs> Next is Paul. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Uh, he said, still can't believe the Rakata. Mm-hmm. Rakata? Got a mention mm-hmm. from Luthen. I love all the great lore they're working in the, to the show. Yeah, I'll have the ricotta, please. Ricotta. <laughs> Extra cheese. Right next to the gabagool. Give me a break. All right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, uh, Paul. Next is Danny. Hey, Danny. Should be gone, 89. We're happy to help the cause. P.S. Mom says hi. Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. And wow, that's, thank you so yep. much. Danny. Thank you. Oh, thank my you. goodness. Oh, crazy. Gosh. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna calculate and I'll get. Calculate, oh wait, we have yeah. one more. We have okay. one more. Wait, 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 wait. Ryan, hey, sorry, audio listeners. Just oh my goodness, we're trying to make sure we get everybody. Ryan, Incredible. thank you so much <clears throat> for donating. We really appreciate that. There are so many ISB people who I feel like they could turn at by the end of the series. There's so much cloak and dagger stuff going on already. I love it. I agree. Um, and guys, as we said. Every donation, we're going to double it. So Yeah, we're matching every <laughs> yeah. dollar that we comes in. We are matching them. So Kendall's yeah. up. Thank you, Kendall, who said, I feel like seeing the ISB inner workings is getting to see some stuff we only ever see in the books. That's yep. true. There were a lot of meetings wow. in this episode, All right. which I'm actually not. I don't hate it. I thought I would. I don't. It's actually pretty interesting. No, it's good. You, you know why? Because the dialogue is is really written, written well. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think that's part of like what people maybe went into Force Awakens or not Force Awakens, sorry, Phantom Menace saying they didn't like about it because it didn't feel for some reason it didn't feel like interesting politics. And mm-hmm. like when we're sitting in these rooms and we're hearing these people describe um, uh, what what do we do? And then they describe like the virus and all that. I think that people want to listen to what the characters have to say. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm agreeing with what you're saying. I think people liked how George mapped out the politics once you see what Palpatine did through the first three, but how they communicated it between the characters was left a lot to be desired. I think. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm talking about people who walked out of Phantom Menace and they were like, right. Right. Boom. So long for that. Train roots. What? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, I'm reading about taxation in the opening crawl. Wait, it's 16 years for this man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who that guy is, but he exists. Yeah, who is that? I don't know. It's a new character. But um, all right. So this episode um, certainly had a lot to it. Um, Not necessarily the most action-packed episode. I think that's still on the way. Um, But stand out for me in terms of scenes and things like that. Um, Clearly, Luthen and Mon Mothma, I think, was was massive. That was huge. They both brought such great performances that I almost it's so weird because I know I'm watching a show but I almost felt like I was like snooping in on a real conversation like the way they shot it they took us around the corner yeah and they had them whispering to each other and you saw the seriousness on their faces and 
I, I couldn't tell. Like they were going like two heavyweight boxers in the center of the ring, trading blows in terms of acting quality. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Especially when you think of really think of Mon Mothma and what that character was. It was a pretty much a throwaway character because they needed someone to say things that weren't Princess Leia in Return of the Jedi. Even Caroline Blackiston was like, I was really nervous doing that. I'm a very experienced actor, but I was nervous because there were just these lines and I didn't know what anything meant. And I just remembered my lines and then I went home. And they took this character and have really fleshed it out through other mediums. And now finally, you know, Rogue One, okay, you know, but now finally, you know, getting her in this, she was in Rebels, even Genevieve O'Reilly voiced her in Rebels. And now you got this where we're really going to get a lot out of her. And I think this episode alone, I'm like, holy cow, if you had, if you had walked out of, talk about walking out of the theater, you walked out of Return of the Jedi in 83 and you're like, I got news for you in 30 years. That character is going to be big time in Star Wars. <laughs> mm-hmm, You're be like, mm-hmm. What? That <laughs> the lady with the ghost costume on? Get mm-hmm. out of here! But it, here we are, crushed. It's it too. funny too. I I think that uh, even as it stands right now, she's only had one episode in Andor, and I feel like that scene alone. And actually, so I mean, this episode because she sort of had two scenes. She had a really great scene with her husband as well. It's like both of those in particular have already put her above what she was able to do in Rogue One. And I love I love Rogue One, but those scenes were for her to stand in the room and be Mon Mothma and just, you know what I mean? Like yes. everybody to know that like when she walks in, it's um, you're supposed to have already felt that she she was a senator. She gave that up. She's now in, you know, in hiding. And it, it, there's... um gravitas with her performance in that in that movie but in this movie she has to bring it uh behind the scenes and and i was going to say too john you said that them being able to have this conversation back and forth and their spies everywhere they're always watching it's believable because the the show itself just told us all of that she arrives and they're already like watching they're watching her from the inside of the shop, there's a new driver. Do we know him? He looks like this type of person. He, he could be this, you know, he looks like he's from there or whatever. Yeah. And then they come in and they're clearly like talking in code. She's moving him away. They're getting back. And it just feels like there's so much going on that, uh, you know, so-and-so is not supposed to see the cameras or the performance or the whoever's watching is not right. supposed to see it. So when you go around that corner and they're having this conversation and she's being totally honest, you're like, I know, I feel that because yeah. I was just in the room over there. And it was very intense and, how you guys right. were talking. Lacey, don't you feel like you were and, scared of the driver? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So I want to ask both of you about this because, you know, spy, the best thing that spy and spy thriller shows or movies do for me is that anxiety of the cat and mouse thing. Are they going to get caught? Yeah. The dinner party thing gave me the most anxiety, honestly. (laughs) That did. But if you think about showing up to a dinner party where people that hate me are invited is like my nightmare. Yeah. Like literally a nightmare. Do you think think they're actually going to show that dinner? Yes. I think so. And I hope so. I think it's in the trailer. That's going to be so intense. Oh my God. Good. I, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. If you're watching the show right now, I went back and rewatched the trailer after this episode. And I was like, Oh, the trailer like lays it all out. <laughs> like they're, they're showing the party They're sh- So I can, we can pretty much expect that there's going to be a slime more, uh, 
cameo in the next episode is, or next two, what you know, what whichever they decide to do it. But all the my, heist my and favorite. everything, it feels like it's all in there, and you're like, oh shoot, like I know how this is going to go now. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of like kind of like Easter eggs references, they talk about Mimbin. I yes. literally cheered. And I was just like, so he was there when Han Solo was there. Yes. Yeah, that, but he was that's a cook. The thing. That, yes. That, it's not just a Mimbin reference. Like he fought on Mimbin. Like if you, they, spe- they specified he said five a years year. Ago. Yeah. 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 He said five years ago, which is 10 years uh, BBY, which is exactly when Solo happened. That's weird you did the math like that. I did when he, he he said he was 16, and I was like, oh, so he was 26 when he died, so that would be 10 years after, and I did that math. But yeah, yeah how it, about it lines the, up. The beautiful callback when he's talking to Luthen, and Luthen says something along the lines of like, don't you want to die your way, or like, don't you want to die fully doing this, or something like that, where you're like, he does die doing this. <laughs> like he, exactly. does, you know, don't you sure. want to yeah. die fully into yeah. like something that you like really take something from them? And I was like, wow, what a perfect foreshadow right. of like what's to come. And it's like, but it's done in such a way that you're like, even though you know the character dies, you're kind of like fist bumping the air because you're like, he does do that. He does end up and, doing and- the thing that he said he would do. And and just like imagine if the if the moment happens, but well, I think I sort of like lightly goofed about this. But imagine this happens where Marva like gets one last moment with him before like she dies or something, and she says, "Your father would be very proud of you." I would die, honestly. I think you've <laughs> mentioned that a bunch of times. I think you're trying to let people remind people that you said it. <laughs> well, you have to reset stuff these days. <laughs> You have to bring um, you're retweeting your own comments in the show. Well, how so, many times were you talking about how old Bix and Cassian are lovers? That's just you know? because I want a romance so bad that I'm yeah. trying to manifest it in this show well, because I, Star Wars hates love, apparently. I want I want uh, metaphoric bookend payoffs so bad that I bring Okay. Up. All right. <laughs> That's fair. But yeah, no, the Mimbin thing made me really excited. I was me like, Me too. I was like, he was there with Han. Finally, they're not Cassian like ignoring Andor Solo. Han Solo lunch. Right. It had to have happened. Also, there's an even <laughs> more depressing part of that is that they were taking people from prison and putting them in the army. Yeah. So you had Han there who was there on his own. He signed up. Obviously, not from a great situation, but he signed up. Whereas mm-hmm. Cassian, they were just taking people and having them quote fight themselves. It's just, uh, it's terrible. It's it's that I mean that that was really cool. But I back to the a- antiquities scene. Like I remember feeling the sort of stress and tension just from her new driver and making sure they were distracting him enough. Wait till it's a scene where it's a big player and they're trying to do that whether it's that dinner party and it's sly Moore, who's you know the left hand of palpatine yeah. or or anyone else whether it's you know daedra whatever her name is you know uh it's just it's gonna be like i don't know if people have watched movies like no way out or absolute power or you know really any other spy thrillers but those are two classics in my opinion like you i anyway i feel i'm like i feel like i'm always right in those movies i'm like oh it's so i gotta get how do you get out of this situation and stuff and i feel that that's starting to simmer now and we're getting a taste of it they're like getting us ready for it but then there's gonna be some big scenes where we're gonna be like how the hell are they gonna get out of this yeah it's gonna be nuts yeah i don't i i don't know where to even 
begin when it comes to Easter eggs for for this. I'm gonna I let you gonna... do this because I didn't write any down because I knew no, the games I, was gonna go wild. I would start. So. No, I, I would didn't. start right at the I shop. Didn't. I would start right at the oh. shop, and I the one I didn't pick up on the Star Killer thing because I'm not a video game guy. I saw people mm-hmm. tweet about that, and then I guess Sam Whitwer also acknowledged it, which is cool. The one thing I saw that I'm surprised I was I nerded out about was if you look, it looks like almost like a like a wire oval. It's the it's an unturned on, of course, Gungan personal energy shield. Oh, in wow. his shop, you know those little whoop, those mm-hmm. little things that come up pink and they deflect the the yeah. blaster fire with. He has one of those. Where the hell did he get that from? So yeah, like I I saw all day on various forms of social media that people were sort of making fun of the idea that that, that you're not going to find very many Easter eggs in this show. That's not what it's about, and it's probably provided in four episodes more Easter eggs than any other show so far, other <laughs> than maybe Mandalorian, and that's only because like right at the beginning they just really wanted to like kick it off, and we were like. We saw a pipe maybe in the back that looked like it could be a, the same pipe as was in this other thing. And now it's just like pipes and alien creatures and other things like that that have shown up in other things. The world between worlds those. thing? Well, we, what I'm saying is we don't even consider that stuff uh, really like Easter eggs anymore. Like if we see a Rodian walking around, we wouldn't be like, that's an Easter egg. Like where we no, were with, no. right, with right. Mandalorian. We sort of like gave up on that because it just got so ridiculous. My thing with with Andor is like I sort of didn't write them down because I was like I'm seeing a ton and it's getting me excited, but there's too many to name uh, in, in this there episode. Are. And then the other thing is, I mean, we'd be here for an hour just talking about the Easter eggs and what they mean and how that's cool. But the other thing is, is like I almost don't want to try to find them all because I want to be surprised multiple times later in my life when people are like oh yeah and that was in that episode of mandalore uh uh, andor and you go back and you're like what that's crazy (laughs) you know what i mean another reason that show was great another reason that show was great that's cool it's like um i did sort of get burnt out a little bit like when you you learn you know like every reference and easter egg in the force awakens and now it's like i can't and nothing surprises me about that movie anymore you know so it's like I, I want to see the Easter eggs and I want to I want to find them, but I'm I'm not going to go way out of my way to list them all out and find them that to that degree. I do have to say, though, one of the coolest things which I kind of was hesitant about, which was Luthen's kind of like collector job, because I was like, how many times are they going to throw a collector into things like with Guardians of the Galaxy and all these other sure. franchises? They throw collectors in so they have those Easter egg moments. I liked how the way he was a collector in a way to move around money. Yeah. By like being laundry. a collector. Yeah. Yeah. They could pay for the item. And what they really were doing was paying for the rebellion. Right. I yeah. loved that. Yeah. I and loved stuff, that detail. It almost makes you wonder if the stuff in his shop is real. I think it is because he so seems too. like he is a collector because of the whole Kyber crystal thing, which obviously is a callback to Jin. I'm just saying that would be it would be really easy to to set up a front of just like forgeries because the only people who are actually buying this stuff are people who are aware that he's he is what he is kind of thing. Yeah. Um and yeah, and, I, I, and really in all honesty they're they're I mean for all I mean he's smart, he knows what's going on so he can make up true stories but it or he could tell true stories but it also seems like 
a person in that job could very easily be like, oh, yes, she was a wonderful witch, as the ancients called her, and just kind of like make something up about a right. tablet just to yeah. walk into the back room and be like, okay, we're private now. Yeah. I do want to take a quick second and just say that uh, some people in the chat, Vorlando and Noah Korth, are both from Florida right now, uh, Tampa and Orlando. So guys, please stay safe. And I just yeah. wanted to remind everybody that's joining now, because I see people trickling in, uh, that today we're donating all the Super Chats. We're matching the Super Chats and donating all the money to um, Code 3, code three yep. for uh, animals in Florida and affected in other places. Um, yeah. Disaster so, yeah. relief sort of and, and protection for animals in disasters, natural Correct. disasters. Um, but Vorlando and Noah, we hope you're safe and thanks for joining us in the chat. Yes, absolutely. Um, before we get into, you know, I'm sure we have a couple more super chats to, to get to before we do that. I did want to bring up that part about, um, Lacey, you brought that scene sort of where he puts on his outfit, his facade, so to speak. He's by himself and yes. he does that pose to try to get into the way character. it comes down too is cool where it's like shink, shink, shink. Yes. So, yeah. and speaking of, you know, coming down, like when he does that pose and then once he, when he's like, all right, I got it. His face drops again and he goes back to who he really is. And I thought that was so smart because it's again, you know, there's a lot of, you know, hours and minutes that they have to work with here to tell this show. But I like when writers and directors knock things out quickly. And it's like, this is just us letting you know, like in case there's any sort of question on which guy this guy really is, when his face drops after putting on the facade, that's really him. So the guy we're seeing with Cassian, that's the real guy. You don't have to even question it. And you see that he's just so defeated and it's so exhausting to be this fake thing, but he knows he has to do it. Mm -hmm. I, every part of that, those, those two seconds when his face just like drops back to normal is powerful as all hell and it didn't involve dialogue or anything and it was so quick and it's just such a great like it just shows how good of an actor he is too you know so. that scene that scene that you pointed out Lacey with him in the back before mm -hmm. he walks out it reminded me of uh the Joker movie oh yeah with um not with uh Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix? yeah because yeah. there were scenes in that where it felt like he's like he's this character and then he would just kind of turn into that other character. And, and you have to be able to do that with no words, just silently and, mm -hmm. and make it believable that you're going from this thing, which is totally this depressed, crazy uh, mental illness type character. And then moving into this other character, which is supposed yeah. to be got it all together and, and everything's perfectly fine. And it was it just reminds like, that shift. It was, it's so like interesting and magical to watch. And the, in it, the, to, to have that movie be like nominated for Academy Awards. And then you're like seeing stuff that's like, yeah, that feels like that. It mm -hmm. makes this show feel like, uh, like Emmy season next next year yeah. is going to be nuts. I was just about to bring this up. It trends all the time on social media, but Christopher Reeves doing Superman where he goes from Clark Kent to Superman just by like his posture and his facial expressions and stuff is a very good example of that as well. I don't mean to be a nitpick, but it's just Reeve. It's not Reeves. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I agree. That is a great scene. But I have to say, like, I know, you know, the show's called Andor. It's all about, it's going to be about Diego Luna and I'm sure there's going to be that payoff towards the end but so far in the first four episodes i feel like uh this the show's been stolen by 
by Skarsgård and now by Genevieve O'Reilly. And I know, you know, Andrew's going to have his time and casting or Diego Luna's going to have his time, but man, so far, Stellan Skarsgård is just annihilating this performance. I feel like the moment we see Diego in Rogue One, you're like, oh my God, who is this guy? Like, he's very commanding. He takes over the scenes. Like, he's very, he has this presence. And I know it's on purpose with the show, but yeah, he kind of seems like kind of an off to side character like grumpy and it's still early. yeah we're not yeah. saying that's going to be the I, case throughout the I, whole thing i think but... a little bit of like the the scene from before uh the second episode maybe where he's like where they're in the chain room and he's meeting luthan for the first time it, that to me was a little bit of him being pressed and and all of a sudden he's not being sneaky anymore he's being like how do you know that you know it's kind of thing like and I think that is eventually what you're going to see in the f- future episodes when he's really pressed to the limit and his life's on the line and everything, you know, it's full pressure. Um, I feel like Diego Luna's really going to shine in those later episodes. Yeah. yeah. So let's uh, go through a couple super chats. Thank you guys so much. Again, every super chat is being matched tonight to be donated to the Code 3 charity. Um, all right, so Mike is up. Thank you, Mike, who said, I love the contrast in the shots between the ISB and Aldani. Uh, it really shows two different worlds, the Empire and the Rebels, that are about to collide. Yeah, them going over their plan was nuts, where they're like, we're going to be covered by a meteor shower. And Cassian's like, yeah. what? That's it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so do we have a couple more? Because that, that's going to segue right into a point I have. Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, so we have Mike Ramori. Thank you so much. Uh, he said, today is also my dog Dudley's gotcha day. So this is for him. Do the disgraced corpos join the rebels. Stay safe, <laughs> my fellow Floridi- Floridians. Uh, love y'all. Uh, we'll thanks, get back Mike. to your question, yeah. Mike. Be safe, um, buddy. And then Gary, 24 fan, thank you so much, said, I sent a $20 super chat, but it was before the show started. So you can add it to your total. Yeah, I think something happens. Like if we're not live yet, yeah. it might not be there, but. No worries. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you, really Gary. appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it. John, go ahead uh, into your point. Well, so James, I if you had the image queued up uh, already in a minute that I sent earlier to you, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know what made me think of this because usually I'm the one of the worst at remembering or pointing out things from trailers or stuff like that. But retroactively connecting the dots, I'm okay at. And when they were talking about that whole I thing, which is the diversion they're going to use, the natural diversion they're going to use with sort of those crystals burning up in the atmosphere as they escape. I saw an image like in my head from the first trailer. So I was like, I remember Cassian's flying something, but it's very red and fiery in the atmosphere. And then I looked at the trailer. It looked again. like a big ship was crashing and blowing up behind him or something. It's yeah. It so wreckage so James, is what it looked like. Now but. For, I'll, I'll try to explain it to our audio listeners, but James, if you could put up that image now, this is from about, yeah, from two two minutes and 15 seconds in the first trailer from August 1st. This is it. This is the eye. We're seeing it. They showed it to us. You see those things burning up above him in the atmosphere. Those are clearly those meteorites, which are really crystals or whatever burning up. And that's the ship that they pointed out on that, on that thing that they're going to steal in the model. Uh, and Cassian's flying it. And then you see uh, the next shot in the trailer is uh, the two TIE fighters following him. So... They, you got it right there. That whole thing that we're probably going to see, I guess, in the next episode when they make that escape after the heist uh, is trying to get out as the eye is sort of that diversion. So 
Uh, I, didn't I think see at the anybody... end of the trailer too, they show him flying in. That's where it gets like suit. Mm-hmm. They have that like last tense moment. That is it. That is yeah. it. And then immediately right after that, you see him, and then you see the Tie Fighters. So, mm-hmm. so I don't know if I, I don't like know if he said, gets... go back, watch the trailer again with with the eyes of what we've learned from Episode Four, and you're like, oh, that's the heist. That's that character getting ready to go into the thing and then there they are and then this is and then that's them getting out and yeah they really put things together we were introduced to a character and i I didn't have time to capture his name but um he was the one guy who shows up on the speeder bike and he's clearly part of the empire and he's sort of like leaking information you're gonna you're gonna need to leave your gloves you know in your jacket kind of thing so he's helping them from the inside and then go back and watch the trailer again. I could be mistaken, but it seems like there there's a very specific shot. Do you remember D, uh, Cassian saying in the trailer, they're so fat and lazy yeah. or they're so fat and satisfied fat and, happy. and it shows yeah, like satisfied. two guys like holding drinks. There's a third guy in the background and I'm like, oh, that's that's the guy. That's what? the one who's like helping them. Mm. And I'm like, mm. so he's in the room and he's kind of watching from the back of the room like kind of what's happening now i could be wrong but uh I, you know i was i rewatched the trailer and i'm like oh who's this character's name i was having difficulty even finding it and i was like i oh, will figure it out later everybody will know who i'm talking about but yeah but again go watch the trailer it seems to lay out the next two episodes mm-hmm. and then and then it's sort of open season. We don't know where the last and six honestly, are going to go at all. This is this is the the good stuff that I miss about speculating is connecting dots and like mm-hmm. f- and also just feeling like it's legit. It's not like I'm just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. It's like that. Oh, that's that, and that's that, and that's. I think that's cool. So um, we'll see what happens. Whether that's the next episode or 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 the one after, but it looks like it's going to be pretty cool. The only other thing I have, which is more of a guess on speculation is if we see what we think in one of the trailers is Andor, uh, Cassian sort of like running with all those people in the white outfits. Does he get captured trying to escape Aldani and everyone else gets away? Like sort of one of those things. Like he's like, I'll go this way. You guys really take this other ship. They'll catch me in this and you guys can get out of here. And that's, that's just a speculation I have to. So him having his like first, hero moment of the series because all we've seen him do so far is bad stuff for the most part so i think it would be cool to see um him do that sort of martyr sort of sacrifice thing like oh yeah, yeah I, I could see that like jeff goldblum with the with the flair in jurassic park he's like over here over here to try to save <laughs> the kids that sort of uh moment as there's been many in star wars too of course but um, um Lacey, yeah. let me let me ask you uh what were your thoughts on vel and the gang that he's been introduced to and kind of been brought into like how did you like those characters i'm gonna be honest i didn't really get into those characters just because we don't know much about them Mm. um i think they're it's the typical ragtag group that you see in every movie you know you have the one guy that's like the hothead and then you have the one person that's a little more understanding um i'm interested to see how the dynamic works but it was, I think, again, the most interesting point to me was when they were going over the plan with Cassian and he was like, this is a terrible plan. This is your plan. And then you can't mm-hmm. help but connect it to Rogue One where you're like, dude, you had no plan. You went to Scarif with no plan. <laughs> and like the flash ahead of like, obviously he's going to grow from this point. But it's mm-hmm. very funny to me that like they have somewhat of a detailed plan. They have someone on the inside. And then he jumped on a, a ship with Jyn Erso and was like, 
let's go. We have no plan. Let's just do this. Uh, so it's yeah. just yeah. really interesting. There has I to mean, be- it, in Rogue One, he knew there was no other option that that you know no having right. no plan was the point because they just had to stop it you know we don't have a plan we have to go our lives are are nothing if uh we let them win and the 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 interesting uh other side of that is that i really was impressed by all of those characters and the writing of all of those characters because i didn't feel like they were random five like oh here's here's you know a group of people that you're getting introduced to in that one in the moment you i felt like they introduced you to each one of them and they all had lines and they all served their purpose and they all had an opinion about it and when they pulled you into the room they didn't like they didn't show cassian's position from the other side watching them debate they pulled you into that room and and let you listen to them talk it out. It kind of felt like, like you should have told me about this, you know, and stuff like I agree with, you know, and they had that whole discussion. And I was like, I get these characters and I get their dynamic and I get what they want to do and I get why they're upset. And yeah, and, and they all had their different personalities. I, I felt that the show really did a good job at introducing those, especially since this show has been not shy of introducing a lot of characters. Very true. And I like that scene where she's like, this is blank and this is blank. And this person does this and this person does that. It reminded me of like when Morpheus like introduces Neo to the whole crew and like everyone, mm-hmm. like you can see, oh, that's the tech guy. And like, that's the nerdy guy. And like, that's the, you know, it, and it's, this is sort of like, this is the new, this is the rogue one crew before rogue one sort of thing. Um, but I will agree. Like, I think, my only issue that I've been having with this series so far is that how like earthy it just feels. And that scene in particular on uh, Aldani, like there was really no, aside from like the TIE fighters, there's really no identifiable thing to say like, this is star Wars. And I, that's fine. But for a while there, I was just like, Oh yeah, I'm watching star Wars. And like, as opposed to like, this this drama of people who are stuck in the woods and there's like a bear out to get them or something like you know there, there's yeah it's, it's a very earthy especially that terrain on that planet and like that's scotland right oh that yeah i think it is because i think the guy from I, bear it's, uh, it's filmed in scotland it's yeah. beautiful that whole it, scene and i yeah. loved that before the show came out they talked about how they hiked up to the top of that mountain just to get that shot yeah <laughs> i and, loved it and you can see you can see that stuff Definitely has a different a different look to so, it than some of the other stuff that they've so filmed. You're, in yeah, the you're paper. saying you're saying the stuff that's closer to the ground, like when there's the forest behind them and when they're kind of in their their when they're uh, at their camp. camp. Yeah, I get that. When when they're out in the hills, to me, I'm like, oh man, that feels very no. That feels obviously no, un. Yeah. Not yeah, that. It feels like Earth, but it felt very big. It, it reminded me a lot, actually, of Rise of Skywalker. Um, mm-hmm. Uh. Now I can't think of it, but it's the planet that's like not Endor. <laughs> Remember when we made that thumbnail and it was like, welcome Kef to not Beer. Endor? Yeah, Kef Kef Beer. Beer. That's yeah. right, yeah. But it's like they're, they're walking and then there's just like a stable or, or whatever you call those things, a pen full of just like normal like goats and lambs and stuff with like extra horns on them. I'm like, all right. <laughs> okay, so here we are on this farm and wherever they I are. Loved I loved it. No, I, I'm not saying I didn't like it. I'm just saying I like... I see what you mean. It... it, it it brings me like back to like earth and I don't want to be on do, earth when I'm watching. Do, do you know Wars. what though? You know what? I will tell you this. It does. It does take you to earth, but I would rather be 
there in that foresty environment, which is sort of like, uh, you know, like Endor, uh, Return of the Jedi, than what we saw like kind of in Obi Wan, where it felt more deserty and more like Tatooine. Like, yeah, I no, think that like that's fair. Fair. going to a different um, uh, biome or whatever. I'm not even sure if I'm using the term right, but a different sort of uh, planet structure is, is good. Like if they went to like an ice planet or something like that, even if the set was boring and it wasn't like crazy Hills or something, I'd be like, man, we, ha- we haven't been to an ice planet since Hoth, you know, or yeah. I guess you could say maybe a uh, star killer base, but yeah. Yeah. And it's just a nitpick, you know, and you know, it's a, it- just a criticism i don't think it's anything that big of a deal um how dare you make fun of the goats john (laughs) the goats suck (laughs) we're up to 530 dollars with our donations thank Thank you guys so much it means a lot uh before we were on air i was watching sad videos because i like pain of like animals in the hurricane but they were being saved so it was sad at the beginning but then (laughs) they were saved uh, so this makes me happy that we're doing something to change that. Yeah, just for anyone who is popping in, uh, we're donating every dollar we receive in Super Chats tonight to Code 3 for Disaster Response for Animals and Animal Welfare Training. And the, the site is Code3Associates.org. But again, if you donate your Super Chats right here, uh, every dollar that comes in for that, we're going to donate to them. And we are personally, from TRB, matching that. So um, we're doubling your submitted total. So thank you to everybody to uh, submitting for that charity. And again, thank you to Andrew Staley for, for pitching that as a, as an idea. Cause usually it's oh red cross or, you know, what have you. And you forget, you know, about our animal friends who, who, you know, are way more dependent on us than, than we are of each other sometimes. So. Yep. So cool. thank you to Sydney squared for your super chat who said, cheers, cheers to you. Yes. Uh, they pushed us to five thirty. So thank you. All right. Um, other aspects of this episode that uh, maybe stood out to you and, or, 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 you know, hit you harder than others. I mean, what did you guys think about, um, you know, Deidre as a, as a character and like, what, what do you, like, what did you expect? Cause we didn't really know too much about her. We kind of got a, a thought that we thought she would be sort of like the new Krennic or so, sort of person. Uh, where, did you get what you were expecting out of her or did it sort of uh, twist it on you once we left the episode? Honestly, I really liked how it ended up that the box that Cassian had was her box from her jurisdiction. Yeah. Because I remember he had this box and it looked important and then he just kind of left it behind. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, but what was the point of this? Like, obviously, it was the object that to then go meet Luthen, but I feel like they made this prop and then it just went nowhere. But now we understand why, because it's a bigger piece of the puzzle. And I love that so far, every episode we've been getting these little moments and little details that are kind of like we're sitting at the table and just kind of putting in the pieces on this big jigsaw puzzle of how the rebellion and the empire are kind of coming together and who people are picking sides. It's really Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting because especially when you go into a show like this, which usually has twists and turns and betrayals and that sort of thing with these characters. We don't know the fates of, I mean, especially on the Imperial side, like there's so many already. I, it, it almost automatically gets my brain at least in that sort of who's going to screw over who mode. And it makes the show harder to predict. And there could be none of that happening in, in the end. 
but the fact that they put us in that spot to sort of be a detective or or speculate on who's really who and who's doing what it makes it just more fun it's like it's like when you like go into like if you ever watched one or been to one like a murder mystery theater thing and you're like oh i wonder if that person's really who they say they are and stuff it's the person i most medium suspect phyllis from the office yeah yeah it's just it just adds like a more fun interactive element to watching this show because we've seen especially in recent years of star wars they really are emphasizing on how many people in the rebellion defected from the empire. Whereas when I was a kid, I just thought these people hate the empire. Here's the empire, but it's way more crossed over in terms of, you know, people who either uh, were forced into being a part of the empire and got out even like, you know, Han Cassian, whoever. Mm -hmm. And now you have these other guys or, uh, you know, rogue one with um, Bodie Rook, the cargo pilot. I defected. I defected. It's like, (laughs) yeah, we 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 could be watching one of these guys. Maybe the guy who was giving her a hard time. I forget his name because some of the names are tough to remember. Levin. Levin. Maybe he's working with the rebellion for all we know, and that's why he's like trying to cut her off and try to stop I, her. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, I I I'm really interested to see if this because I don't think, and I don't want to, I don't want to speculate too hard and be like, I figured it, it out, James. Or come Steve. on, man, let's go speculate. No. My thing is like, I don't want to be spoiled. I want to get to that. I want to get to that point in the show where I am surprised when Blevin shows up when they're like, we have a contact on the inside. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, look, Rebels did this, right? And we, I'm, I'm not spoiling Rebels if you haven't seen it. But Imagine like, you get into a Star Wars show. You're all pumped. You're like, mom, I got cast in Star Wars. They're like, oh, what's your Star Warsy name? Blevin. <laughs> Blevin. <laughs> That's how I felt about Enfys Nest when I first heard that name. I was like, I mean, that would be me. If I ever got cast in Star Wars, I'd get some name like Clem Blevin. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Clem holds high value name right now, right? I know. His father's, his his, like um, adopted father's name, Clem, and that's the name he chooses for himself. That's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But no, I mean, it's sort of like a a callous situation where, you know, we know that, um, there's a fulcrum and he's been giving information. And when you finally go to meet fulcrum, it was callous. And they're like, yeah. I cannot believe it's you, right. you know? And right. we'd sort of speculated that that could be the case. Cause it was between seasons, but like by the end of this show, if there's someone who's been giving information and Andor is supposed to meet up with them. And then when we read up it, it is this character, you know what I mean? Or it's one of the characters that we were so sold that they're the bad guy that we don't even know. It puts you in that rebellion state. Like, wait a minute, hold on. I don't know if I can trust you. Are you, are you, are you like double crossing me right now? And you're trying to tell me that you're part of the rebellion. Cause I only know you as the empire guy, Dude, you know, someone brought up a really good point on Twitter. I forget who it was. Like, there were so many things people try to connect dots, but it was mm-hmm. like Mon Mothman and rebels talking about the Gormans. And yes, yeah. she was talking, was she was talking to, Ez, talking to Ezra about it. So like, that's another connection. Well, and- it's, but she, but hold on, she brings it up to her husband, yeah, who's gonna have Sly Moore over for dinner, who is one of the top two advisors to Palpatine, who likely ordered the massacre of the Gormans. So what if by just bringing to light what people are going through at this dinner party, Mon Mothma inadvertently causes the massacre on the Gormans? Yeah, I mean, 
it's, the That's interesting insane, thing man. is when she's when she's talking to Ezra about it, it ultimately is the thing that causes her to be like, I cannot be silent any yeah, longer. So the right. Gorman massacre is the thing that causes Mon Mothma to uh, speak out against the emperor and immediately went into hiding. And it's crazy because like, I think this goes back to the Easter egg thing. It's like, at what point, how hard are we going to work to find every one of these references? It's just nuts. Um, I mean, some, some of that stuff is going to stand out, but I want to watch, I want to be told that Easter egg three yeah. years from now after the show's done or, so, or three years from now, like 10 years from now, you know, and somebody be like, did you catch this one? And it's like, yeah. it's very clearly connected to rebels, very clearly connected to Ahsoka season three, you know, or whatever it is, you know, yeah. and it's like, Oh my gosh, man, the way like it all ties together again, it goes back to that age old argument that we, that all of our listeners know that we've been saying for a very long time and they believe too, but like, there's no way that the people producing these shows do not care. Oh, no. I think Tony Gilroy yeah. is like, you know, Elle Woods in Legally Blonde, where she's at the library with all the books and she's trying to learn everything about law. Yeah. Like that's him learning about Star Wars. Well, yeah. I, I think including the I'll... elliptical, you know, treadmill in his apartment where he. <laughs> I'll say <laughs> this because oh, it's the it's the other guys where, where uh, Mark Wahlberg learned to do ballet to make fun of somebody. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. <laughs> Where he's like, I can do ballet. And he does the whole little dance. And they're like, you, you learned ballet just to like make fun of somebody. Oh my it's so good. God. Like he doesn't actually like Star Wars, but he learned everything about Star Wars, like <laughs> over the course of him doing the show. I, I think because like, I've seen like Pablo Hidalgo has been very like outspoken about how much he likes this show. Oh, he loves it. And he also says that about Rogue One and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I think he he thinks favorably of Ryan Johnson. And I think both I think Ryan Johnson leaned heavily on him and the story group, whereas I don't know that JJ did as much. And either way is you know whatever it's fine. I liked all the movies, but I think Tony Gilroy like he's like here's here's the deal. I'm writing this story. You can fill in all this other stuff as long as it doesn't conflict with the story I'm telling. And he probably worked with them really closely and gave them that autonomy to be like, if that need, if you need that to be that alien, that's fine. Whatever. It's, uh, I'm, it doesn't screw up this path that I'm telling for this character, you know. And I think that sort of cooperation um, is appreciated probably from that camp and that side of things to where they're well, like, all right, now we get to you know expand upon this stuff in a way that may not smack you across the face, but it could have a payoff later. It could have an open thread that leads to something else later. It doesn't have to, so it doesn't screw anything up, like that sort of stuff. And I think that that kind of stuff is interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about Pablo, uh, like being outspokenly in love with one particular show, which means does that mean he doesn't like the other ones as much or something? You know, that mm-hmm. and the, those questions always come up. And I'm not saying it's his fault, but people are always going to take that public account and, and run away with stuff because of it. But I, I definitely think it's interesting when we're getting like a Tony Gilroy or for instance, like um, uh, Gareth Edwards, like the whole, like he played ball sort of thing. Right. Um, Because Tony has been very outspoken that he's not a star Wars fan and that he doesn't know this stuff. And exactly. same thing with, same thing with John Favreau. Like he, like he knows the stuff, but he doesn't know it like Dave Filoni knows it. And 
it at any point it's easy for someone like a John Favreau to be like, oh man, I wrote this really cool thing for Mando to do. And Dave be like, well, he can't really do that because this thing from this other canon thing contradicts that. And John Favreau to just say, I don't care. We're we're gonna do it because that's the best story. But the the beauty of it is that John has been, I'm not saying he's doing that. I'm saying he's not oh, okay. doing that. Okay. I'm saying, I think it would be easy for someone like John Favreau to be like, yeah, that's great and all, but who read that? Comic oh book? yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's like the best solution to that is when the, the filmmaker is going, Oh man, that's cool. I didn't know that, but what, we're going to have to incorporate that somehow. We're going to have to figure that out. And then to like add it to part of the story or to like change something in your story to make sure that those things um, match up with the story you want to tell, but still like ring true of what has been told in Canon before that. Um, I think that that is the best matchup we have as opposed to, um, you know, whenever a, a filmmaker or a storyteller just says, well, I'm just going to write it and then I'll leave it to story group or other people to yeah. figure out later. Like yeah. that leaves the fans like, okay, cool. We'll get it figured out eventually. But now it kind of doesn't make any sense. And it feels like you just retcon something for the sake of retconning it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of, you know, we're up on an hour. So in terms of looking ahead to next week, um, obviously we have the heist, which is going to happen in that episode. So there's going to be a lot of action. We may see those shots of Cassian, you know, hiding from those stormtroopers as he's in that base. Um, but I, I'm curious as to what, what's going to go on with everything else. Like Cyril Karn, like, uh, we haven't seen that shot of him and his mother sitting at that dinner table. It looks like a 1970s mm-hmm. kitchen. She slapped um, him too. Slapped him right in the face. Mm-hmm. And then and then told someone to mind their business. Get out of here, TMZ. You're not spying on my son. Um, but I don't know. What do you guys think is going to happen next week besides the heist? That's the obvious one. I mean, if the dinner thing happens sort of in the Christopher Nolan way, where they flash back and forth from one to the other for that whole like increasing the tension thing, I think that'd be cool. I, a lot of people have been speculating about, I think this person will be at the dinner party. I think this person will be at the dinner party. I don't think there will be popular names beyond who we heard for one reason. And if you think I'm way off, if you think we're going to get all these, you know, known names, let it fly. But I think it'd be a mistake because I think the focus should be on Mon Mothman, and how she's handling herself at that dinner, knowing she's not outed yet as being anti-empire and also how she receives some of those conversations, how she's able to try to physically hold back, from getting angry or visibly angry or what have you, you know, when you're deal- sitting at a table with somebody, you just vehemently disagree with on everything that is really tearing down everything you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Do you have the willpower to save face knowing that holding back in that moment is better for the long term? Um, so I, if you have like a, like I saw someone in the chat, right? Bail or Ghana or something like that. I think that takes away the focus and then it becomes that's sort of, oh, there's that guy. And they're all oh, remember that guy from that thing as general fans are watching that because they're like, oh, I remember Jimmy Smith's. Yeah, he was in the prequels too and blah, blah, blah. Then you take the Bale's focus away from. Fun. Right. But you're also taking the focus away from the one person you need to focus on, which I think is Mon Mothman mm-hmm. that scene. So I think it's going to be a lot of seat fillers, so to speak. You'll get your Sly Moore and whoever else and, the, and her husband and then her. And I think every, everyone else will just be, sort of be a face 
around the table. What I mean is when we saw Obi-Wan, there were times when Bale wanted to talk about the politics and people would shush him off and be like, ah, that's in the other room. You do do that in the Senate room. Uh, we're here to have fun. And so apparently it just means that Bale's not very fun. So therefore, Mon Mothma's husband probably would not have invited a boring... Are you trying to tell me that yeah. if if you had plans with Organa that you would bail on him? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> nope. Just ridiculous. <laughs> All right, we so have a super bad. chat. <laughs> so, Michelle, thank you so much for the super chat. It means a lot. She said, a former judge I worked with volunteers his plane and his time as a pilot rescuing animals during the, these disasters. Great guy and a great cause. Thank you oh, so much, thank Michelle. You, Michelle. We hope that, that whatever we raise tonight can, can make a difference as well. Yeah, no question. Um, all right. So, uh, Lacey, I know you've been busy monitoring the chat and stuff, but do you have any thoughts on what's going to go down next week uh, between the heist, between the dinner, anything else that uh, you speculate might occur? Um, I, I can't wait to see the dinner because I love messy drama, and I think it's going to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> and it also has the guy who plays Patrick in Coupling, which is like my favorite, one of my favorite TV shows from England. Um, and he's such a funny character in that show. So to see the contrast to him being a very serious character in this show and Star Wars is like really jarring for me. Um, but I'm really excited to see who is Mon Mothma's ally and who isn't. Like mm -hmm. who's going to, because it, like James was talking about earlier, it's like this game of like who's on her side and who's not. Um, I just, I know that that scene's going to be intense. And you know, Luthen will probably show up at some point because he's got to be there for her. And maybe he'll deliver the gift or something. Um, I just think it's going to be really, really tense. As for the Cassian stuff, I don't know if we're going to see the entire heist the next episode. They might be building it up. Mm. but well i guess so we'll dinner see. party scenes if whether it's a comedy like I, i'm just off the top of my head like uh dinner for schmucks or like the snl skit i drive a dodge stratus with uh, will ferrell and <laughs> and sarah michelle geller is a classic scene like or or more serious stuff like you can call 12 angry men a, a dinner scene because they're on that one room around that table pride but and prejudice I, has many a din dinner scene I, and i think what's good about those types of scenes is you can get a lot done in a really short period of time again and just have those people in that moment just putting everything out literally on the table in terms of like how they feel and where they stand but also uh playing poker like mon mothman is going to have to do sly moore is going to be there like i feel like i'm in a safe space i'm just going to talk about what we got going on because we're Everything's great. Look at the Empire. Look how great everything is. And like Mon Mothma's going to be like, maybe get absorb some information from that. That'll help her. Uh, it, it could be, you know, imagine like Sly Moore getting in trouble because she had too many Chardonnays at a dinner party and let too many plans slip and Sheevy Babes ca catches wind of it. Forget about it. How does she, she eat in that outfit? Has that huge collar? Like, does she go up and over and around? I don't know, but she sends food back for being too warm. That's who Sly Moore is. <laughs> it's <laughs> a, a horrible person i think but she's got a cooler about... name than blevin sly <laughs> moore sure. is a is a cool name yeah um 
I think when it comes to the dinner scene, we we've seen some stuff in the trailer, which makes me think that's going to happen. And when we're in that scene, that's the moment where she's talking to somebody else. And she says, if I keep doing these little things, then they're not going to pay attention to what I'm really doing. And the guy's like, what are you really doing? And she's, you know what I mean? That yeah. whole conversation that I think is going to happen in the next episode in at her dinner party. And then I think, I think if you're going on the three episode arc, like we kind of did with the last one, and now we're in Coruscant and Mon Mothma world, I think we're getting this episode, we're getting another setup episode, and then the third episode of that arc would be the heist and all that. Then yeah, maybe. He, then I think maybe, you know, you guys are right. Like he, maybe he gets captured, maybe he's sent to the prison, and you have a three episode prison. That's a good point because or something. Vel, don't forget, Vel says we uh, the eye is coming in three days' time, and that's when they have to leave the planet for the uh, distraction. So I mean, three days in Star Wars is like what a whole trilogy. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sequel trilogy. Anyway, the, the the comic writing team is like, we can't wedge any stories in between these. Damn, like. Although I think between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker is one year, so we'll get our comic runs in there. Yeah. But um, I, yeah, anything else before we hop out of here? I know, you know, we're probably up on time. So, um, I mean, we talked about a lot. It was a, it was a pretty loaded episode. And I'm sure there's stuff that we haven't really scratched the surface on. But because there's, they are telling this in these sort of mini, you know, three episode blocks, we could probably expand upon stuff that we got today in this quote unquote first episode of this block as we learn more next week. Mm-hmm. Fair? Mm-hmm. All right. Absolutely. All right, um, and we are good to hop out. So I just want to thank everybody uh, who donated. Um, again, you know all the super chats you send in, especially even at, all the way through our outro here, we will match, and they are all going to that great organization, Code Three, which is going to help disaster response for animals and animal welfare training to prevent um, uh, instances in future. Uh, natural disasters and stuff like that so um, by all means keep those super chats coming until we get out of here but I just want to thank everybody for listening and and, uh, watching and being a part of TRB Um, so we will be back of course next Wednesday which is October 5th we're getting into October already to talk about episode 5 make sure you do subscribe to our show so whether that's on the channel here youtube.com slash Star Wars Newsnet videos or your preferred podcast app because uh, it will. This episode will be on all audio apps as well, and we'll be posting that uh, tomorrow morning if you're in the live chat now or you were late to the show. Uh, Star Wars Newsnet for all of your Star Wars news and our Patreon. You know, these types of shows wouldn't happen. If you ever saw like our first time ever doing a video of the podcast, like I, I saw some of our old like, <laughs> resistance transmission stuff, it it is a rough look. And um, mm-hmm. you know, th- this type of stuff that we're doing now, it couldn't be done without our Patreon support. So we just launched tier uh, phase four of our Patreon. Uh, all new look to our tiers. I'm recording a brand new uh, Rants and Rumors video tomorrow. I'm very excited about that. We have a lot of new stuff that's going to be happening in the Discord for tiers three and up. Go check it out. Go to patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Pick a tier that you like and sign up and support the resistance. Um, before I thank our Patreon generals and spice runners, a big thank you again to everybody who did donate tonight for the charity for Code Three. Uh, we raised five hundred and seventy dollars in a one-hour stream that we 
we just came up with the idea to do it three minutes before oh, we went live. Now we're up to 610. So that's so cool. Thank you, everybody, for participating in that. Um, and thank you, yes, to our to- two top tiers on our Patreon. Our generals, uh, thank you to Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Ronde, Darth Hurricane, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Chris White, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Samuel Zilke, Sneaky Zebra, and Val Trichkoff. Also, Sneaky Zebra is coming up on the pod race on Monday. He um, is. Yes, he is. Uh, and our Spice mm-hmm. Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley. Did a great job on Spice Run. If you are a patron and didn't see it, go check out Andrew's Spice Run. We just did it an hour before this show. Uh, Jeremy Myers and Michael Fry. And again, next Wednesday, 10 5, 9 p.m., we're going to be talking about Andor Episode 5. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey, writing, writing and editing at StarWarsNewsNet.com. And on Tuesday, uh, my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies, is putting out our episode on Raiders of the Lost Ark, little Indiana Jones episode, if you want to check us out, Just Like the Movies. Very cool. Uh, James. Uh, people can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Myra Trunks, if you want to show me Lacey. the Easter eggs you found. Yes. Lacey. Uh, first, thank you to Brian Payne. Thank you, Brian. Chat. Thank you to yeah. Kendall, who said thanks for a great review. No, thank you. David Ford, who said wow. from Boba Fett Bookstore. Thank you. <laughs> uh, with your guys' help, we raised $610 tonight. We matched everybody. I'm going to double check the math because I'm bad at math. But <laughs> currently right now, $610. So thank you guys awesome. so much. That's going to make a difference awesome. uh, in some animals' lives. We want to say good luck and stay safe to the people that are in Florida or in Absolutely. the path of the storm. We hope yes. that you are uh in a safe spot and that you have everything that you need stay and, safe um please keep in touch with friends and family so everybody knows that you're okay um and then are we mentioning who we're having next week are we mentioning who we're having next week not yet let's not do that yet okay so we have surprises we, next week stay we might tuned. have a guest next week we it may have. have been negotiated and you might see us elsewhere as well <laughs> you might That's true. you never know with us really <laughs> but anyway you can find me on twitter and instagram at Lacey gillerin all right thank you everybody so much who were able to join us live that means a great deal because it's always way more of a party when that chat's popping as they say do they say popping mm-hmm. still no nope. no so i'm gonna keep saying i'm bringing popping back no nope, but anyway don't. Uh, they tried will, it didn't go over very well we'll be back <laughs> Disney. Uh, again the episode will be on the apps tomorrow but we'll be back with an episode on Monday where we're going to talk about the news and do some resistance transmissions and a lot of fun stuff so uh, enjoy the rest of your weeks enjoy your and or rewatches enjoy your weekends and we'll see you Monday morning right here on TRB see you around kids <laughs> <laughs>